Hey, this is Anna Vaughn with Travel Mama Anna Vaughn, and this is our podcast. Strap in, because it's about to get weird. Okay, hey everybody, it's Anna Vaughn with Travel Mama, the podcast, and today we're going to be talking to a very good friend of mine and a colleague, Hanifa Sakandi, who is out of Toronto. She's the founder and editor-in-chief of Lifestyle Online Magazine blog. The things I wish I knew, and if you want to check that out, you should. The things I wish I knew.com. She's also a writer, a musician, and you know, just somebody who's very apt at, uh, at what's going on in the world, really knows what's going on, and is very good at putting it into words. So, we're just gonna have a chat today about all the stuff. Yes, Thanks for we are. coming on, Hanifa. Yes, I'm looking forward to it. It's nice to chat with you again, even though we talk most days. Every day, <laughs> every day. So many, so many debates. Good ones, though. Yeah, I mean, mainly. I mean, of course, we're talking about what's going on in the world right now. You know, the whole world is dealing with different levels of COVID nineteen, and of course, now Black Lives Matter and defunding the police, and you know, systematic change all over in so many ways. And you know, there's so many topics coming up. But what did I really want to talk to you about today was the, was the the role of the media, especially since you know you're a member of the media, you're an alternative voice in the media, and you know how do you see the role of media as it is right now? Um, let me think about that. I want to say it in a very uh, kind way. Well, I think in a lot of ways, like people need to learn how to do research. I think the media has a great role. I can't discredit journalists. I think that's one thing that is missing. I think it's great to have alternative media. It's great to have bloggers and influencers or former journalists who have their own websites. But I think that there's something to be said about journalists who do research, who spend time on certain areas of interest where they take the time to give us accurate information. And so I think right now, in some cases, you know, some people get rolling press releases and they just will look at the press release and not do research, not fact check, check the information given to them and just put that up and do an article around that. And so I'm not saying this is all media, but I think it's really important for any reader, anyone looking for information to maybe read what I have to say. And I talk about a lot of wellness things, but also do your research. Like you can refute what I say, that's okay. You don't have to agree with me. I'm more than okay with that. I'm, I'd prefer that you find something that suits you and you get more information and perhaps you can teach me something. I think people need to understand that they can teach the media something as well. Like sometimes you are someone in a certain field and you know a lot of information about certain things and maybe that one journalist just knows what they know. So it's important to chime in on the conversation and have the conversation rather than just taking information as if it's always true. Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel right now that the majority of the media is bullshit. They're not fact checking or even looking for a story that's factually based. It's more infotainment. And yeah. this is a story, this is something that comes up a lot with my father who lives in a really remote part of Canada. And his like connection to the world is like the BBC and his local paper. And he always tells me, I stay informed. I, I you know, look, I watch the news. I look for, uh, you know, he's not computer literate. Um, like I'm, I'm actively looking and it's been a huge conversation with me where I'm, you know, I'm trying to explain to him that the news was a place of information most of his life, but that now it's a place of sens just sensationalizing stories and that you need to be able to look things up and read through the, read between the lines and find alternative sources to kind of give you a full spectrum of the story. You can't just 
Absolutely. I mean, yeah. believe what's on TV. Like, I mean, I, I, I've personally felt that the way that COVID has been handled has created enormous amounts of misinformation and fear in people that now that we're kind of, you know, we're through, uh, you know, we're not chicken little saying the sky is falling anymore. Like now reputable, um, outlets like the Stanford Review. I mean, many countries have had medical journals publish that, you know, COVID-19 is not the threat we thought it was. And, you know, the CDC is posting that it's not, you know, going to be passed around on surfaces the same way. And the WHO is backing up a lot of these sort of debunking, um, you know, scientifically based papers. But because the press went so crazy, it's, uh, it's hard to go back and get people to be like, wait, 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 no, that was wrong, you know? And I'm feeling like we're seeing that the press is, you know, really just not, uh, I, I, I'd like to see some of them held accountable personally. I think what happened with COVID, I think the reality is people had limited information. Keep in mind, like, and obviously right. I agree with a lot of stuff that I'm sure we are finding out now, but I feel like even the press, like that's what I was saying, like people had limited information, even the fact that it was happening. I mean, there, there are, it's been shown that it was happening maybe even in November, right? This is not, it didn't right. happen all of a sudden in February. Right. So I know people who were sick who strongly believe they had COVID in November. And so the thing is, it was kept a secret. And I, so I think once it became this pandemic and people were dying from something that no one knew about, obviously mm-hmm. there was panic, right? Because when you find out the guy who runs the who, he has COVID, you're mm-hmm. like, oh my goodness, like even he caught it. And then you don't know how it, where it's, we don't know where it's from at this point. We don't know how it came into existence. If it was leaked out, we don't know if mm-hmm. it's from an animal. Like we just don't know. It's all speculation. There's a lot of deceit. There's a lot of lies around it. So I think even with the media, as I was telling you with rolling press releases or whatever they get briefs on what the information about COVID and that's what they write about. Unless, you know, you're an epidemiologist and you study diseases, you aren't going mm-hmm. to take the time to understand what this is and whether or not we should panic or we shouldn't panic. So I think that's an important thing to kind of highlight the media. I think it's becoming very controlled in terms of like what the media can say. There are in certain countries where you will be jailed if you say certain things. And then even in North America, I mean, some media people are shunned if they question the mainstream or if they say something that's contrary to what their peers are saying. So I, I can't necessarily, oh, and I, them. I, I, I just think, think that they are part of the system, right? Yeah. Of just yeah. kind of appeasing people and just going with what their colleagues are doing. And then you maybe have that one black sheep who is like, okay, I don't even know if that's the right term to you. What is, where, where does that term come from? <laughs> Anyways, but that one black sheep and the, the, you know, the bundle of reporters who's like, I'm going to stand out. I'm going to be a leader and I'm going to question this. And I'm going to, you know, say something that's different or like, but question do we even that. have that anymore? Like, I mean, I used to work at much music and media and we actively punished BJs if they got haircuts. Um, yeah, so, I mean, like, like they were not allowed to think for themselves at all. Yeah. Well, that's the you know, and that I mean, that's music, it. television, but and that was a long time ago. Like I feel that we're in a much worse spot. I think for me, I would like to see some accountability. Like you can't come out and say that it's going to affect one person's gonna gonna infect three people if you don't have some serious facts to back that up. 
if you're not talking to epidemiologists, that would have meant that 9 billion people would have gotten it. Like if you can't crunch those numbers and I can, a single suburban small town mom, you know what I mean? Like how can you yeah, be in a well, authority yeah, of any kind? And I feel you know, like that's why you, that, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah, I feel like that's why you need to have medical journalists. Like I know I remember studying, you know, health and medicine in university. So you have people who that's what they spend their time doing. They study diseases. And then when a journalist, mm -hmm. if you are a journalist, it's your job. If you want to report about the medical field, you need to be really tapped into that community. You need to dive in deep, right. not just simply report a story. And I think that's what it is. It's like, if you don't understand the terminology, what this stuff, stuff means, and then you are giving the public information, of course, it's going to be flawed or skewed or not 100% accurate if you're not even working with the medical community. So I think that's right. really also the reporter's job. And I think I remember being in your university and I do these research papers and, you know, everyone knows, I mean, if you've had to write a research paper, you have to fact check the person you fact checked. So you'd find mm -hmm. one person and you, you'd have your views and maybe they'd, you know, agree with your views. Then you'd find another author or another person who had a different theory and you'd have to constantly go back and forth and maybe you'd go through 50 books. And I think that's the case. Like people go through one book, one document, and then they make that the news. And I think that's right. what we're seeing now. Whereas before, I mean, just even being a university student, and I think all university students can attest to this, your teacher will check how many sources you have in your, you know, in your references. And if you have Do you two, think that comes... Right. Do you think that comes from like tight deadlines or do you think that comes from like the competition, like wanting to one up the competition more than get the story right? Like, where do you think that comes from? I think it's kind of like the fact, you know, remember that whole thing, the McDonaldization of, you know, Disney and all this, the whole process. I feel like it's like fast food press. It's almost like mm -hmm. we are putting things out at a fast food pace. It's even with, you know, influencers and that media it's like they put stuff out so quickly that even the information gets lost it's like right. why should i consume this why is this good like why are you wearing those shoes like it's just like here they're cute it's like no were they made in a sweatshop it's like we just put things out so quickly and we think later and i think there are a lot of industries not just even with covid where you see that and i think this is a perfect right. example of you know a we have to hold the government accountable for potentially knowing that a virus like this has been looming and not doing things to a better educate themselves and also prepare people in a way that it doesn't create frenzy and panic and all the stuff that we have like I can't say that it's not bad because I do see and I know people firsthand whose parents or grandparents have had it and they're suffering from it. So I can say, yeah, yeah, people are suffering from it. People are dying from it. I mean, people are losing limbs. Like people in their forties are having strokes from COVID and that's something when people in their forties are having strokes from smoking too. Yeah, exactly. But I'm just saying that's something when it first came out, they said that if you're in mm -hmm. a certain age, you'd be completely fine. Or they said, oh, babies can't well, get they have it. A very, you, you do have a very low chance and children yeah. under nine still have a 0 0.02 chance. I mean, that hasn't changed. I think the media yeah. has done a great job of trucking out every baby that has it, which is yeah, exactly. different than it actually affecting children, you know? Yeah, and that's what I mean by the irresponsibility. Like I'm living in a state that is saying, you know, that children can't go anywhere because one child got it. Yeah. One. Yeah. And now people are prevented, their children are prevented from all kinds of things. And, that, you know, there's going to be physical and mental repercussions on hundreds of thousands of children 
just because one kid got a respiratory disease you know yeah I mean so I, I think that's what I mean by like the media overblowing and not really giving people good information where they can understand that just because a baby has a disease does not mean that all babies are susceptible that baby also had an underlying problem as with the majority of the children and young people who've been sick yeah and the thing is like for in in my case I feel like it's not something I've spoken about because I don't feel like I have enough information even right. if and if I was I, I don't think anybody has enough information I, I don't any, know what I don't think anybody is. does I mean yeah. experts are also moving along because they don't know it's new yeah. for them so and that's yeah, what I mean I, by accountability. It's like the press are coming out and saying these hard and fast things without really knowing anything. And most epidemiologists are still sort of arguing and researching and investigating among themselves. Yeah, and that's the thing. And they have, I've seen some shows where, I mean, news channels where they've had experts on now because they're realizing. I think journalists, right. I don't know every journalist. I mean, there's, there are some great ones. They're independent people who have their own websites and maybe the information is different. But I think when you are working for someone and, you know, you have to mind mm -hmm. your P's and Q's, sometimes even if you are questioning, it could be, I mean, never mind COVID. It could be about women's rights or something else. Or right, questioning right. Anything, the, yeah. Something in the Me Too movement and you want to dive into it in a, a way that's opposing to what's the norm and everyone's collectively saying, let's focus on this. And so I think with journalists, I get the struggle because at the same token, you want to be this independent free thinker. Even in university, you learn that very quickly. You know, the professors want you to kind of agree with them. And if you are the person who right. goes a little bit rogue, you'll find that it's a struggle. I remember my first year university and this TA, I just, I actually remember her so clearly because she was just awful. And she had this very set way of how she thought about things. And it was a film mm -hmm. class and, you know, film's very interpretive. This is a perfect example right. of that. And so in her mind, it was kind of like, because she felt it was somewhere it had to be, and she would mark people based on them agreeing with her. So I feel like sometimes within the, that news media environment people go with the flow because they don't want to stand out they don't want to be left out or we've you and i have talked about lose their job and then i maybe in press lose more assignments and so i think there's always that pressure i feel like veteran reporters and people in media they don't care because they've done it they've paid their dues so they can you know you've seen on cnn with whether it's anderson cooper or don lemon like they will toe the line or they will cross that border over and say controversial things because they paid their dues they can do it but if you're a new reporter right. i can understand why it's hard to say question something and at the same time give out information and not rustle the feathers of the people who pay your paycheck right especially when they're breathing down your neck because that's what i mean about yeah. much music it's like sometimes you're having like five and six meetings a day and you hello And I think it's really important for the average layman to know that, that there's a process yeah. so that they can properly question. Because it's been a real conversation with me and my dad where I, I try to explain to him that the news is not there to inform him. The news is there to get ratings and inform him. The, the, the thing that they sell is information, but they're, they're selling an image of information. And it's really important that everybody understand that it's all going under that. And that that's why like alternative sources are important. Like it's like you're saying, it's important to do the legwork to look into things. 
Yeah. And I think, yeah, I agree with you. And I think people have become lazy and I think that we're, people are lazy. And so even researching a supplement, I, I see people and they just like, we'll see a supplement's trending. Let's say, I remember when it was like raspberry ketones and rather than researching even the brand, they just mm-hmm. go into the store and whatever's on the shelf, they grab it rather than looking at the ingredients and saying like, who's the manufacturer, how much of this particular ingredient is right. in this actual supplement. And so I think that people have become lazy. People you know, if an influencer says something is cruelty free, they won't research it. They will just say, because you said so. They won't look to see if, you know. Oh, I'm guilty of it. A hundred percent. I am guilty of it myself. And, you know, I I think my guilt of it is just from being overwhelmed with, like, I think the whole world is just overworked and underpaid and overwhelmed with information. We're just overwhelmed. I just remember like when I, I go to Africa every year and one of the things my parents love the news, like my family's a news family, but they'll watch different channels. Like, so mm-hmm. depending on what room someone's in. And so there's the Ugandan news, but they have their own networks. Then there's BBC, there's world news and there's CNN. And then the, the news in Africa, even the newspapers, like the things that you see, like if there is like, you know, an accident or someone is murdered, like they will show that on the screen. Like it's like, you see, yeah, we have that too. You know, you we see have that the, too here. Yeah. The, so I feel like, that's something you wouldn't see in North America. You wouldn't see a village dispute and what happened and all these things like this plain view depiction and then have like the people it happened to talk about it in real time. And so, yeah, I would say in North America, we definitely have a very clean finished view of the media and that's maybe how they like it. And I feel like in other countries, maybe it's a little bit more free. And then also there are other countries where it's controlled, where you cannot say anything at all, or you will go to jail. And I know even with COVID, there were reporters before even we knew about it, who wanted to talk about some strange virus that's going around and they got in trouble. So I feel like that's kind of where we're at is that just people are in fear all the time of either a upsetting their boss or upsetting their friends. You and I talked about this with Black Lives Matter. People are always trying to toe the line to keep someone happy. And I think reporters struggle with that, particularly if they're new. Yeah, I think also like the the, the consumer, because we've been doing this infotainment crap for so long, like the killer bees are coming. The Zika is going to kill you. Somebody died in a car accident tonight. Like it's just fear, 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 bad news, bad news, bad news. And now people are on this steady diet of it, not to mention that, like, I don't know how many Marvel movies can come out in a year, but it seems like a lot. Like, there's a lot of violent movies on top of it. It's just, like, violence, 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 fear, fear, fear. And then something legit happens, and people are already, like, on level 11 so fast, because that's where we've been pushed to a lot. And I really feel that, like, You know, I'm looking around like, well, see, this is what happens if you have a steady diet of fear. When something comes along, it can't keep your head about you because you're used to going to these highs all the time, you know, and the average person, it's very like here where I live, it's very difficult. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of smart people who have a lot of common sense here, but there's also like an enormous amount of illiteracy. Um, and there's not a lot of access here to good information. It's much harder in Spanish for me to search. Like I hear of something going on and then I can't search it on the internet. It's, it's not as easy to access information here. Um, but there is, there is a feeling among Mexicans that the media is lies. Like they know that it's skewed and that it's lies and it's not factually based here. I mean, it's pretty egregious. Um, 
so there's this like knowing, like not trusting everything you hear, but then like an inability to access good information at the same time. And I think it keeps people reliant on rumors, which is obviously the most awful way to get your news sources, right? That's how people were getting uh, news before, right? They were basically, mm -hmm. you know, it was word of mouth in the community, in the village, or, you know, it was, and I feel like in the, in, yeah, I guess when your people are spreading gossip and rumors, that's a different story. It can get, you know, obviously diluted and people change the story. But I do think that even if you see indigenous tribes, like you go into Amazon and they, they can, they really understand the, their environment and what's happening and it's word of mouth throughout the village. And I think sometimes that can be a lot more accurate when you're looking someone in the eye and explaining to them what's happening because they can question things versus just reading something and then just assuming, you know, what this person is telling the truth because you read it, right? You don't know this person. You don't know if it's being fed to them by somebody else who wants you to know inaccurate information and kind of to go back to you talking about, um, the frenzy of movies I remember seeing people run for the toilet paper and it was almost like watching the Hunger Games and I remember a year before my one of my producers had said um you know have you noticed when you go to the mall everything is gray and like neutral it's like we're living the Hunger Games and sometimes I think a lot of people feel like it's always this constant setup to see the neutrality of kind of controlling people making people think one way dress one way and so this is kind of a little bit of an example to see how maybe people can be a little bit more controlled with the social distancing and the stickers everywhere. Right. And so those are the things that obviously pop up. You know, I think about, you know, aside from the virus, I always think of like, you know, what ways are they trying to continuously control people? And so it's obviously through the media and then it's going to be through behavior. And I think also movies, when you watch movies and you see movies where they live in, you know, 20, 60 or something it's the future and it's like space containers and you see airplanes now and they're putting food in boxes so it's like you're seeing the movies in real time sometimes and so it makes you wonder yeah are these movies yeah i mean i definitely yeah. think keeping human beings from touching each other is a, is a method of controlling us because i mean there's literally no proof at all that that will stop viruses from spreading because they spread on surfaces and because we're all eating from the same trough like whether we like it or not and we're breathing and we're oozing and we're humans. This is how we do it, you know? Um, and I do think a lot of the social distancing is a way to create fear of the other because if we are divided, we can't unite against big things that are happening. And I don't think that has to do with the virus. I think there are two separate issues happening uh, together. You know, it's like there's a virus happening that really they have no idea how to contain because it's a virus and it's impossible to do that. And at the same time, there's a political agenda that's benefiting from the hysteria around a virus happening. You know what I mean? And yeah, they, they don't necessarily have to do with each other, but the, the advertisement looks like they do. And I mean, I think my next question would be like, what would you tell somebody if they're looking? Like, what would you tell my dad? Like, how is he going to critically look at what he has available to him he's got the tv the radio and the local paper you know like how does he do research and 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 question like what can people do well that's tr tricky right so i would say let's say we go with i send him a lot of links he knows yeah, how to click a link <laughs> After our, it's like it's our job is you know as kids to, to help our parents because even like I was looking through some documents and just for seniors looking for assistance or anything or trying to figure out their benefits or their pension like they make it really challenging so maybe it's on purpose and so I think if you are you're 
you know, obviously you, if you can take care of your parents and be there for them in your case, it's good you're sending him links. And also if he's looking at local newspapers, get a few. You'll, if you actually mm-hmm. collect a few newspapers, you'll find that like reading this one versus that one, you'll start to see a difference in the reporting and the information given. And so I think it's just up to him also watching a few news channels. Sometimes you have to watch the really controversial one that no one likes and then the one that you really like and then another one and then just put the pieces together. That's all you can really do. But I think it's just, it's your job to take in different bits of information from different, you know, newspapers, news channels, whatever you can. And obviously use your own reason. Yeah, it was, and just, it was really- your instincts. It was really difficult during George W. Bush because there was such a huge anti-Muslim campaign going on at the time. You Mm -hmm. know, that was really the crux of his uh, candidacy was that he was anti-Muslim. And, you know, media is very white, right? Yeah, my dad is not a, a person that hates Muslims, but he became somebody that equated terrorism with Islam because of the news. You oh, know? absolutely. And it was yeah. such a hard, long talk that was always going on between us because it was really hard for me to come up against this like war machine that was pumping that into his living room every day. Yeah, well, the media is very skewed. I mean, you and I talk about this the media is very white. We've seen this in Canadian media, media. We've seen this, you know, in media in the US. Like it is very like there's one face usually predominantly mm-hmm. and maybe there's a few visible minorities sprinkled throughout so you don't see a woman in hijab on like an american right. news channel i mean there could be one but i'm just saying like if there is there's like one or two there's a lot of tokenism within media token, we'll have yeah. token well and it's, a lot of it has to token, do yeah. with the advertisement like because as a, as a youtuber i mean the very second i started doing lives once a week and telling people to question uh social media YouTube buried me and I'm not even a big YouTuber, but they buried me and people always say to me, oh, but you can find you. I'm like, yeah, if you're searching for me, but they won't prefer me anymore because they do not want to see women or mothers start to tell people like, you know, I'm getting out of my lane. You know what I mean? And it's like, I also don't, I haven't, my channel absolutely should have blown up. Like, and this isn't me toting my, tooting my horn. I know who the competition are. And I'm making just, my videos are just as good, if not better, on the same like criteria as theirs, but I'm not a co-parenting family. There are no single mom YouTubers. Like, and it's because advertisers don't go for it. YouTube is 100% about their advertisers. And I was going to say that. Advertisers like are the corporate white 1% that controls everything. It's very right wing, the advertising. I mean, somehow kitty porn stays up there forever. But like, you can't say, question your government, you know, or you can't show that you're a happy single mom who's not broke and enjoying your life and not apologizing for yourself. You know, like it's, I'm not even that far out of a box. I mean, I'm just like showing a lot of like fun family videos, you know, like I'm not even doing anything very political. Yeah. And and I'm, and I'm a white woman and it's still suffocating, you know, and I don't think people even know that people, people think that one, people think I'm more popular than I am. And two people think, because I tend to attract my own audience, people are like, oh, it's so refreshing. I'm so glad I found you. And they stay, but they kind of stumble on me. I'm not preferred. I'm not put forward from YouTube. You know, I mean, maybe if I was in a bathing suit, I would be more preferred because definitely sexualized women get preferred a lot on YouTube. And, you know, if I had a husband 
And like, that's just the truth of it. Like, I'm not even complaining about it. Like, that's just the truth of it. I had to come to terms with like, unless like, I'm either going to get married or, you know, get half naked. And neither one of them really felt like they were going to happen. So I just, you know, I just do what I do. I do what I can with what I have. Right. But if I was a black single mom on top of that, buried, I wouldn't even have a thousand followers. Yeah, I definitely, I think that's the other thing we're kind of getting into is the black influencers or people in the media or bloggers or writers or creatives. They are always in fear of losing their jobs, I would say. I I can imagine there are YouTubers who are black, who do really well, who know that they have to stay within the range of what's acceptable for them to. What is acceptable though? It's, It's like, I don't think anything is acceptable for people of color on the internet. I think you can be like a gay uh, or female, uh, makeup artist. Well, I'd say it's a lot of makeup. Actually, there is some uh, people who, there's one girl, she's really great. She's a sexologist and she has great content and she does really well on YouTube and she's been able to obviously make a name for herself. She have like, but, but does she have like a million subs? Like there's nobody, the top tier YouTubers are all white men and they all, you know, there's like Casey Neistat, yeah, um, I will agree with the top. What's the top his name? The, the Logan Paul and Paul franchise, you know, which I think yeah. is like sort of the epitome of like bullshit white slapstick, you know, taking the line from uh, Steve-O and Jackass and stuff, you know? And then, you know, in family, like you really need to be a woman and a man. And I mean, I've made a few videos of Luna's biological father and it's insane how many more people it attracts. And I don't think it's because there's more people that want to see me with a man out there. I think it's because YouTube prefers my videos with a man more. And I think if I did collaborations with people of color, they would get preferred more. Not because I have something good to say or I'm better in any way, but because they can sell to advertisers more if there's a white face in there. And we would also have to be women talking about the beauty industry. Yeah, That would be the only way. Or, or relationships. I think that's actually when you do see a lot of yeah. the um, women of color who are influencers who do well, I don't know, like some, some are in, I don't know how many followers they have, but some do really well. Right. It is very beauty oriented, relationship oriented or food. Um, I, there's a couple of women that I follow for style that are really amazing and they're women of color. And I just, I just think they're good stylists. They speak to me in my age demographic, you know, um, yeah, obviously like, I don't I'm follow not... beauty bloggers cause I don't wear makeup and I mean, uh, with dark skin makeup's not going to work for me anyway, but like the couple that I follow, they're fantastic stylists, but it's still in this vein of like, you can do style, you can do beauty, you can do relationships but you can't be political. I think there are gossip channels as well. I think, I, I, I know there's a lot of really popular black channels that are kind of like gossip channels and they have their own podcast. Yeah. I know there are like ones that are controversial. I just can't think of them all right now. I know there's even the Breakfast Club. I know it's um, right. a But what they, about they a, a, a house flipping channel? What about know. a family channel? Like there's the thing, this is what I'm talking about I'm with not, advertising. I'm not a hardcore like, you YouTuber, right? Be, so. You can, well, YouTube is the second largest search engine in the oh, world I know after that, Google. But I don't so. know like every, like I'm Me not either, me either. I'm not like, stuff. I'm not following like crazy. But what I'm saying is like, there are certain places you're allowed to be as a person of color and as a woman on the internet. And you cannot come out of your lane. Whereas white men are allowed to come out of their lane 
and be trailblazers in another. A white yeah, man can do a beauty channel. Look at what's his name, James Charles. Like a white man can do a makeup channel and still get huge following, you know, or Jeffree Star. I mean, that's, that's a woman's realm, you know? Like that's how much men are really allowed to do, and especially white men, anything they want, that they can even do makeup and be famous, you know? And, yeah. Sorry, that's the gas guy in the background. Um, but you know, like, that's what I mean is like, we are being stifled more than I think people realize. Like, you know, I think people think like, oh, okay, we're not giving enough space to people of color in the media, but it's like, it extends to pe white people as well. It extends this white supremacist issue. I feel like it ex it's, it's got its tendrils in everything. Yes, it definitely has its tendrils in everything, even with regard to women. I, I would agree with that 100%. And I will say that like, yes, it's very male dominated and it's very white male centric. And so, yeah, in every industry, I think even within the corporate industry, you know, usually the top paid person is white and he's a male, right? Yeah. So it's and and influencers too. Yeah. yeah, even like women well. influencers are fine as long as they have long legs, thin bodies. Definitely they have to be white. Definitely they have to have long hair. They need to have a big straw hat. That seems to be a very important piece. And they need to be, you know, posing either in flowy outfits or bathing suits in front of sacred sites or beautiful backdrops. And it's like, if they're a mother, they have to be doing all that with a baby on their tit. You know, <laughs> if they're a yogi, they need to be doing all that and also twisting their body into a pretzel. You know, like, it's like, we get to be one thing over and over. And then, you know, anything outside of that is just like, nobody wants to see it. And it's such bullshit because I actually think a lot of people want to see it. They're just not given the option. Yeah. And I also think that with black influencers, they're also kind of niched into one thing where they have to be like the super spiritual influencer or like the really wise or, you know, that, that person who's mm -hmm. the on, on call counselor. So I feel like, you know, if you have a black influencer, but they also have to be beautiful and in a bathing oh, suit or flowy but, dress too. But it, but there, there is the opposite <laughs> spectrum where the ones that aren't, you know, is, you know, in the bathing suit and the flowy outfit and then maybe their, their whole platform is just about being intellectual. And then all of a sudden they have a bikini pic and then they're shamed. So I feel like black women particularly are constantly kind of told what's acceptable. This is the box you can fit in if you have dreads. This is the box you can fit in if your hair is straight. This uh -huh. is the box you can fit in if you're biracial and you can do all, you can, maybe you can get away with being the, you know, the girl in the thong bikini or like it's, or you have to be the girl who's very sexualized who maybe does things that are more of the vein of being a stripper so I feel like there's a set category for black women and if you are outside of that I find that like I'm kind of my own thing and I think that that was different for everyone you know people expect a ton think, of photos of me pardon yeah do you think that it's moving like because I'm trying to think about like women when I was growing up like I talk about this you know offline quite a bit it's like what happened to Annie Lennox? Like, I remember being six years old and Annie Lennox was hot. Like, men wanted to fuck her. And she looked like a man with a crew cut, you know? And there was, like, Tracy Chapman. And there was these alternative, you know, like, she was hot because she was talented. Well, that was a beautiful you know? time because even when you think about music, it's like you could listen to hip-hop, R&B, rock, and then grunge. 
and everyone like MC Light. All, all, at same, that all at the same time. Yeah, exactly. All at the same time. And no one would question you. You could be a goth. Like my friend, she was a, she dressed in goth. She had the makeup. Then I was, you know, I had a different style than her. We would hang out and she would talk about nine inch nails. Then we would play country and then we listened to hip hop and then R&B. And then, and that was okay. Whereas now it's like, you notice with music, it's a very set, like, this is what's in right now, whereas the time you're I don't think there's about, any female artist that can even sell an album if she's wearing pants. I mean, have you seen anybody wear any fucking pants in the last 10 years? Like, yeah, women have, all, all of them perform in their underwear. All of them. It's so, I feel, it, I feel like it is so shameful and rude like it, I, it it's so humiliating to women that they have like that Super Bowl performance with Jennifer Lopez and Shakira Bad Bunny and um Jay Balvin I mean mm -hmm. at one point I was watching I just started laughing because I told my friend I said I have seen so far in Jennifer Lopez's vagina like I don't know if I want to go that far in meanwhile Bad Bunny is wearing like seven jogging suits on top of each other he's got so much clothes on I'm like what are you doing? Climbing Everest? You know, I mean, well, ultimately, I feel like it's the women. You have to decide what you want to be. I mean, if but you Jennifer want to Lopez isn't even allowed to be 50 years old unless everybody wants to sleep with her. Do you know what I mean? Like, she's not even allowed. Like, she's only allowed to get on the stage if she shows us the inside of her vagina, because otherwise, what's she worth? Yeah, I mean, Both that's her and Shakira have no worth beyond that. Meanwhile, in the performance, Shakira plays like five instruments. I mean, Prince could do that in his clothing. I, I, I feel like we're I moving further away. Yeah, I definitely feel like, you know, there is that double standard. And I'm sure those both those women could attest to the fact that, you know, they are they have been sexualized or but I feel like both of them are at their career where if they if JLo did not want to wear that, she wouldn't wear that. Like I don't think she was forced to wear that. I mean perhaps No, I think she's at a point where she wants to still sell records. I think that great, JLo's going she I mean she's body. made a lot of money on her body, but I think also too that she's at a point in her career where she's being told a lot like if you don't keep up your body you we have nothing for you like yeah, I, you I mean, know Gwen Stefani you know, she made lots of albums that went to number one with her clothes on and no doubt but then she got naked when she went solo and I think that comes from you know like I look at people like Beyonce like Beyonce could sell an album with some pants on for sure but she doesn't and I that's what I mean by like I think that there's advertising pressure and it's and and it, it's unfortunate because it comes from a very small group that's controlling yeah, I mean, it's, it's the hard whole with those game. Like as, like as an artist, like I I understand like being in you know on sets and people wanting you to wear a certain outfit or like the tiny you know leather short mm -hmm. underwear outfit you know and. It, it depends like some artists like that it's weird there's there's a flip side there's the required thing where they expect it of you particularly if you are a woman in the industry to be very sexualized and then there's the aspect mm -hmm. where there are artists that push back against it and they don't do it and they're very successful so i do think there is some agency i feel like some of these women like to dress like that and they feel empowered that way and then there is also the flip side where it's also part of marketing and advertising and it's required of you to be very sexual you know, in order to attract the male audience. But I do think well, that- they use your want I, to be sexy. Yeah. I mean, we all want to be sexy. Yeah. We all like, want to be sexy like, and desired. But I feel like in Beyonce's case, she's kind of always had a very strong sense about her image, even from her mom being her stylist. And if you even see Destiny's Child and onto her solo career, she goes mm -hmm. in and out of, you know, her sexuality and showing her sexiness. And sometimes she is dressed. Sure. Sometimes she has a head wrap yeah. on. So 
I feel like in her case, Beyonce it's like, does also yeah. talk openly, basically about how she starved herself her whole life and that she's been completely a prisoner of her body for her career. I mean, I mean, half the interviews she does where she talks about food, it's like a cry for help. And she also lost babies because of what she's put her body through. Yeah, you know? I mean, so I, I feel like for artists, I think she's sacrificed a lot for that, like a lot of her health. And that's so <laughs> sad. Because Bad Bunny isn't sacrificing any of his physical health for his career. I don't you think know? any man is. I think men can gain weight and in the industry and get old and have kids and like even even having a baby. I remember when uh, Brandy had a baby and people were shunning her and and then when Cardi had her baby, I remember she was terrified and I'm just like, why are women scared to have babies? It's it's a natural thing, but somehow well, Cardi in industry, got all that pushback. No, I'm just yeah, saying. Cardi that got all that saying, pushback. Remember, she got pregnant, and her, everyone said, "Well, it's not a good time for you to get pregnant." And she was like, "Exactly." It's my That's family. what I was saying to you. I was just kind of like, yeah. "Why is that an issue? Like, why even from being in the industry, growing up in it, even having a boyfriend was considered like you don't tell people you're dating because artists who were in relationships that were women, they always assumed you were going to going to get married or pregnant, and so. And then, the, but the male artists could have lots of women and lots of baby mothers. Oh my and God, so right now, like everybody's obsessed with Ben Affleck and his teenage looking girlfriend, you know, like right now yeah, I, in COVID and they're doing nothing. They're not raising money. They're not raising awareness. They're not doing shit in the world except having sort of an inappropriate relationship very, very publicly. Yeah, I don't know. And he's like lioness. She's 30. Yeah. I looked it up because the first picture I saw, I was like, does Ben Affleck have a teenage girlfriend while he has teenage children? Uh, yeah, you know, because well, I'm a parent. So I, she's I'm young, right? She's 30. But it's like, it, 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 that she, he has a teenage looking girlfriend, which well, is what I'm I said. Really young, so I, I, I yeah, it's fine. But like, I, I you know, like when Cher has a teenage a looking boyfriend, she's crucified. You know, like For a sure. really I good example. Think- a good example is Demi Moore dating Ashton Kutcher and they had like a 15 year age difference and they got married. Well, Bruce Willis married a woman that had a 22 year age gap at the same time. And it wasn't even a blip on the media radar. Yeah, but I think this is all, we're talking about the double standard. So I think it's, it yeah. goes across the board, whether it's, you know, you can't have babies and you, you're getting old, right. like you're a wilting rose. Like women are constantly dealing with like time and what's acceptable. Right. So. I, whether well, I you're think this is or, the time to let it go. Well, I think it's time for women to shift the focus, but also it's not even just with the men, it's with each other. Because I think that like, if we even just behind the scenes in media, we further perpetuate these stereotypes and we make other, we shame other women. We right. can't be surprised that it's still happening too. Like we have, to, if we're going to empower right. each other, yes, we can, we can always point fingers. I think people point fingers and say, men, okay, well, we raise men. So if we are the nurturers right. of men and they come out of our bodies and we have to raise better men and also raise better women who can then raise better men and also teach women to like themselves and value their a lot of times women are not in a position of power to make the decision like i've been in those rooms many many times where there are no women in the final say yeah many many times what i'm saying is if as women let's see we were just we Mm -hmm. decided to start society again and we know we birth children we nurture them we teach them so if at the beginning you're teaching your sons how to be kinder people respectful of all beings men women or however someone decides to, to identify, then it's a changed right. world. So yeah, we're talking about what's happening now. Why do we have to have more voices? I mean, you can't trust a bunch of white supremacists to raise better children, right? Which is the voice. This is the dominant voice in everything is white supremacy. Like at the end of the day, like that's, I'm just like calling the whole thing white supremacy. 
yeah, me and getting I, I pressured that, to wear a bathing that. suit on the internet as a, as a mom, like, because I'm only as valuable as I am sexy. That's like a, a man came up with that. That's for men. That's white supremacy. Whether it's like only having a very whitewashed media or the advertising dollars we're talking about, like to me, it's all coming from one root problem. And like, you can't expect people to be raising better men under that sort of yeah, but I also would syndrome. Argue also within white fun you can see that but also within other cultures that there is the environment where men are very dominant there are there are other cultures where their views are that women are of a lesser value maybe they revere women in a certain sense as mothers but there are in other places around the world where women are told what to wear to cover up to do whatever they may be right. maybe they don't want to so it's yes that we can talk about caucasian men we can talk Not about every men. woman wants to get naked in order to be free that's yeah, also there's, something there's, that's there's, put on us in the west like we are also are, told emphatically that we are invisible unless we are naked. Yeah, but there are other ways to be imprisoned, right? Sometimes you're mentally in, yeah. you're imprisoned. There's places in the world where women can't even drive. Like imagine like you can't even go get your own tampon. So I just, I feel like it's across the board. I think there's the North American experience. I think there is the experience in Arab countries, Africa, India. And I think women across the board are saying like, hey, like we have no autonomy over our own lives as human beings, as women. Those women and fight women, a lot yes. harder. I would say that having been in a lot of countries where those types of things are going on, there's a lot more fight back pushback than there is in white countries like the white supremacist dominated countries there's a lot of apathy because it's yeah. working for a section of the population like that's what it comes down to like you know we've talked about this lots of times like when i approach a white person that i you know i think is not saying anything and i ask them like why aren't you posting why aren't you saying something like what's up you want to talk about it like are you having a hard time figuring out where your voice is in all this or like you know what do you want to do a lot of times, you know, they just kind of come back with some bullshit because the truth is they're benefiting from it. And why would they want to stop benefiting from it? They're getting, they're getting those dollars. Like the thing for me is like, I've never benefited from it because I never fit into the box. Right. I've never made a dollar. I've never had one brand give me money to sell something on the internet. Never. I never meet the requirements because I'm not willing to give up my integrity and I don't fit in the right boxes. I'm not Canadian enough or Mexican enough or, you know, married enough or apologetic enough or quiet enough or whatever, or I'm too much of something else, you know? So I don't have anything to lose because I never had any of it. But there are a lot of people out there that they don't want to change the system because they're benefiting from it. But I think that those voices are becoming smaller. Like, I think this is such an opportunity now. Like, I feel like this is the very first time in my life that i mean you know that whole system that supports this one voice it's like that system's not working all of a sudden it's like someone threw gum in it i feel like black lives matter and covid came along and threw a big hunk of gum in the system and it doesn't work the same anymore we have such an opportunity to make changes going forward. Yeah. And I, and I think for me, I'm always thinking of like, how can we move forward? Like we can learn from the past, but I, I always try to like, think of the solution. And cause I, I, I mean, we can, we can talk about like why it's fucked and why, I mean, it's, you know, these things are happening, but at the same token, we can say, where, what can we do now? Where can we move forward? What, how can we make what's not working work? And I think moving forward, figuring out how to move forward. It's kind of like the idea of like, oh, I want, I want to get my body back. And you look at this picture and you're like moving. No, you won't get that body back because you're not the same person, but you'll get a new body. It might be better, but it's moving forward. So it's kind of seeing the global 
community as this new body we have to heal. Yeah, I just forward, think that, right? you know, just not looking at that shit anymore. Like almost every, it's real, for me, it's been really easy. Like, you know, I'm looking through, scrolling through my feed and it's mostly people questioning and in, in whatever way they're doing it, right? And then I see like, you know, one of those pictures we were talking about of like an a, a influencer and I like, you know, I click on it and I think, I don't, I don't fucking want to see this shit anymore. Like everybody's unemployed and struggling right now and out in the streets protesting and shit. Like, I don't want to see that. And it, I, I feel like it's falling away naturally. And at the same time, like some of the best content I've ever seen is on the internet right now. Yeah. And I think I mean, you know, it's it is. just I think it's full of good stuff. It sounds horrible, but I, and I, and I have always said this and I feel like it's about building the bridge and approaching with approaching it with compassion because, you know, sometimes you're dealing with people who just know what they know, like, or they've been so stuck in their own world and no one's ever told them, even with COVID people who are like, I have to stay homeless. This is an example, whether you agree with it or not. And even in that, mm-hmm. in that they couldn't handle that. There's, we have a lot of people who have experienced yes, their whole lives or have experienced the privilege mm-hmm. their whole lives. And so even participating in the black lives, the conversation, they, they, they know they can pick and choose or they feel like they can because they've spent their whole lives doing that. And so mm-hmm. unfortunately, you know, we are babying a lot of people. We have to, because you have, there's certain people I've looked them in the eye and it's like, they just really don't get it. And this could be about other social issues. I think anybody that's willing to change is one thing. I mean, it's like going to the gym every day. Like I'm going to the gym, I'm getting my fitness on, I'm eating healthy. I'm like putting my health first. And then I have some friend that's just like a couch potato, not doing any of that. I'm not going to spend my time trying to get them to care about their health. I'm just no, going to go do my good shit. And when that person comes to me and humbly asks, yo, how'd you get, you seem so happy. How'd you get the way you are? I can be like, yo, why don't you come with me to the gym? You know, well, it's kind of like and having they- somebody in your life who's toxic. Like I've had friends where you give them like, mm-hmm. um, I'm not friends with them anymore, but I'd give them advice all the time. And it's just like, okay, 10 years later, it's like, you're still struggling. And so I think eventually it's like, there are certain people, I mean, our hope has to be that the majority of the people get it gets through to them there you will have you know that select few people who just don't get it don't want to get it they're stuck in their way so we just have to kind of move with who is willing to work with the causes work with the change and that'll just become a ripple effect i just see it that way because i can't spend time like arguing with somebody as to like you know for example i texted one of my friends a very same message i sent you very basic message Mm -hmm. you know your silence means you're complicit and i've known them for 20 years and they had the rudest reaction and just saying don't even and i I'm do, you don't know what I'm doing. And I'm like, I, I know, know you sent it to me and I'm like, oh, this is written so well. I'm sending it to everyone. Yeah. And I'm like, I know you're, I'm like, I know you're <laughs> not the doing thing anything. Is like when people say to me, um, yeah, when people say to me like, oh, that, you know, are you saying I'm not doing enough? I'm like, no, because the thing is, or like, I talk shit about white people a lot, which anybody who knows me knows that. But like, whenever people say to me, like, I don't like how you talk about white people. I always think in my head because you're one of the people I'm talking about. Because well, when like, other people talk shit about white people to me, I don't ever feel they're talking about me if I don't see myself in what they're saying. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's like only anything, you, you know? if you see yourself in the group. Like when people talk about unhealthy people, I don't get upset because I'm, a, I'm somebody that really puts healthy health first in my life. I know exactly. that they're just making a comment. I, I know that they're not trying to, it only feels like it's a sharpened sword against me when I see myself. 
Yeah, and absolutely. And I feel like some people just want the confrontation, right? Like, rather than just say, hey, like, thanks for the message. Like, I'm going to see what can I do, which I think is the best thing. Like, I could have a friend who's doing a charity or something. Maybe I don't know. Maybe I didn't post that week. And they're like, you're really quiet. Like, hey, can you post? And then I'd say to them, oh, like, what can I do? Like, what do you think I should post? And I feel like that type of combative energy, like, for myself, I just don't have time for that. I, there are so many things in the world, in my life, to put energy towards and people to help and do great things for that if I am constantly approaching people who are just in that what I call like pain body low vibration I don't want to enter that vortex because I just feel like it's not helpful and I think that's the key with any movement even Black Lives Matter is that there are a lot of people who support it and there are a lot of people who are converting or realizing they have privilege or realizing they didn't see the things like I had friend one friend who was like I didn't know this was happening and I just thought to myself you know what bubble do you live under like how do you not know that people are suffering around the world like never mind just seeing I think that's been the biggest like eye-opener for me it's like I mean and we've talked about this a lot like I you know I I live in a foreign country I you know I'm an abuse survivor and I have a daughter that's non-white you know she's mixed even though she's light and that you know that's I've already kind of culled my herd that like any kind of weird voices I've distanced myself over time away from them anyway and I'm already somebody that is you know continuously standing up especially for Latin and Mexican people because this is where I live and I'm very, very white and people love to say racist shit to me all the time thinking that I'm part of their group in some way. And of course I'm not. And I always take my opportunities, but I live in a bubble where everyone I know, regardless of their background is like on top of this black lives matter stuff. Like they're out there protesting, don't do money, money. Yeah. And you know what? Can, regardless. But many people, like, this is what I'm saying is like, I've been really shocked to find out that many of my friends who are out there doing stuff, right, their group, they're finding out that their family or the people they work with or like people in their realm, like many more, like they thought maybe it would be a couple, a couple bad apples, but they're finding out, no, it's like 50% of the people they know you know yeah, and I, mean, I think and that's and i think that's really eye-opening hard. i think even when for example you brought up the muslim thing and like you know having some muslim family and then obviously i have christian family and people of different faiths and i study buddhism but even when you know a lot of the stuff came out about terrorism and terrorists and i had friends my one friend is married to a guy who is uh, pakistani but he's muslim and she i think for the first time really realized like wow, like, and I put, put a quote on, in, I mean, Facebook saying you kind of see who the racist people are right now with their comments about Islam and Muslim people. And I mean, I studied world religions. I have like, I love all religions. I think there there's so much beauty in all of them. I mean, the root is love. If you really focus on the good stuff, people always pick out the bad stuff and then they use that to control people. And I think that it's, it was really sad to see that people allowed, back to what you're saying, the media to create you know here and you know and I think even within 
people who are visible minorities, they have their own isms where they're prejudiced against each other. Because again, the media has created this idea that if you look a certain way, you must be bad. Or if you're Asian, you must um, be contaminated with this virus. And so Asian people now are experiencing yeah. racism. People who happen to be not even be from China because people assume all Asian people look the same or all black people look the same. Or well, all I Arab mean, yeah, I mean it, the, the, the stupidity goes so low. I it's mean, so people think it's coronavirus Chinese takeout, but I mean, I think that's sort of way out of the sphere of our talk. Like, I mean, yeah. I, what do you think? I want to, I think we're going to end here, but I want to, you know, what do you think you can tell people, people that are, you know, they're sort of seeing all this now and they're looking to get out of it. They're looking to get out of mainstream media. They're looking to get maybe some better information on Instagram or like, you know, kind of shift to their following. Like what's well, your- use, use Google, as your, you said. Yeah. Um, Google is the, do you have Google? You have YouTube? Go on those alternative, you know, YouTube channels and go on those alternative websites and just keep collecting How information. Do they find them? Pardon? How do they find them? Like, what do you think people should be looking for? What I normally do, like my research, the first thing I will do is I, I will Google something and usually it's a phrase. So maybe I will say, um, what is the health impact of COVID on people a certain age? And then I'll start going through, and Google have pages and pages and pages, but usually what I do is I skip the top, use the, the, what, the sites I skip first are like the mainstream media first. And then I go through right. to smaller bloggers. And then after I'll go to mainstream and then see, but I just think it's taking the time really. And but the first thing is Googling, you can search it on YouTube and just search, just type in a few things, like whatever questions you have that come to mind, type that in. And that's going to start pulling up different things, different information. You could pull up even theories that you've heard and you're like, oh, is this theory true? And then just start doing your research that way. But it's using the search engine the way you would ask your friend a question rather than just typing in, you know, Black Lives Matter. Because it's not even in that case, like there are people who are donating to the wrong charities. And so it's type that in and say charities, the right charities to donate to for Black Lives Matter. And that will pull up or charities that aren't using the money properly. So just asking the questions and typing it in in your search engine that way will help you get different yeah. results, right? I think also too, something that I do a lot of is I, like right now I, for Juneteenth, which is today, I'm looking for black owned businesses to promote and to, and to buy things from, but I don't just want to buy shit for the house. Like, obviously I'm trying to look for businesses that I can create a, a, a relationship with. I'm not just going to buy one thing today. I want to find places that maybe, oh, this is great. This, you know, I'm, this is an alternative to me using Amazon or something, right? Like I'm looking to knock out something in my life and replace it with a smaller local and alternative business. And now part of my list is that I'd also like for that to be a non-white business if I can, right? Um, so it's like, I go on to people that I think they have good taste and I look through what they're posting and then I go to those sites and see where they got those, you know, where they got those posts from. And I find that like, well, to be if honest I'm with you, I'm sorry, yeah. I'd like to get to a point where 
we buy things. Like, I think it's great to now consciously say, look, let's support black owned, but it shouldn't be that hard. Like you should be able to walk into, let's say a big retailer and know that, you know, let's say 50, 50 is down the middle. And you know that you are picking up something like yeah. there's brands I've bought and that are actually black owned. And I didn't know, but that it should be like that where black people or people of visible minorities are within the space of commerce and retail where you're yeah, buying from them anyway. Like right now and, we're starting yeah. a process of making it more accessible, which means we have to do a bit of legwork right now. That's number one. Number two, to be honest, I only buy local and I live in a town with no black people. So this is me going outside of my box, right? And well, I think for black, a black, you know, business owner myself, and I think black people that do own businesses, we, we don't want you just to buy it because we're black. We want you to buy it because no. we know it's good. And I think that's I'm, the huge I'm conversation. Making a, I'm making yeah. a list of all the shit in my house that's white owned and thinking maybe I can find alternatives for all this stuff that I'm already buying from somewhere, but I can just be more conscious of yeah, what I'm just, buying. Yeah, it's a good product because there's a common theme that because it's black owned, it's cheap or no. it's not good. I'm not, and I think, I'm not yeah. looking to buy, like I said at the beginning, like I'm not looking to buy bullshit. I'm looking to replace some of the mainstream articles like I mean I buy a lot from Amazon because I live in a small town but a lot of times what I'll do is I'll look it up on Amazon and then I'll find the company that's Mexican and order from them direct right so yeah. I'm like just doing the same thing except I'm looking to support some black businesses now like I'm like you know there's Afro-Caribbean people you know here in uh sorry how do you say it it's it's not Afro-Caribbean Fuck, I just lost it. It's like how you say a, per, you know, a black person who's uh, Latin, Afro-Latino, maybe. Okay. Anyway, yeah, those, those businesses exist here as well. And yeah. it's just a matter of doing the legwork to find more of them. I'm sure there are plenty of health food products that I could be buying. You'd probably be even shocked at the ones that you already have bought that are black owned. Pardon? I said, you'd probably even be shocked at the ones that you have bought that are black owned. I mean, that's the other conversation I had with someone this week about, you yeah. know, some black brands aren't even showing their, their faces they know yeah. that people are so focused on color that if they know that this great brand is a, owned by a black woman, it might skew their idea of like, oh, can we use it? You know, like, so I think, um, yeah. I think it's, yeah, I think totally. it's, it's great. I think it's also yeah, I think it's also that's the lead work that I think we all like need to do right now because the truth is it's not 50-50. And so let's get it there. You know, yeah, we, we all have to get it there. I think everybody's like uh, invested. So right now I feel very invested. I'm about to go, you know, to a meeting later today and I, you know, I'm gonna have time in the meeting to like do a little bit of my research. Luckily, like I'm in a group of people you know, on the internet, a few thousand people that are already on board. So luckily, like all I really have to do is tune in to the people in my group. And I'm sure people will tell me lots of great stuff that I can find. You know, and I think the first thing for you is, I mean, for anyone who's looking for black owned, start following black influencers. I think that's I the other thing. That's the other. Black not you. Yeah, and obviously not oh, no, you. I'm talking about other, other people. <laughs> yeah, so I think people. I think the people who are having a hard time, it's like, well, you have yeah. to follow black influencers. You do realize that you have to be influenced by them because then they can tell you about the shea butter and the where. And then you can understand where these ingredients come from. A lot of people go into these natural beauty supply stores and all these different places and get natural ingredients, whether it's frankincense that is, you know, also sourced in Africa. And it's like follow these beauty bloggers. Understand the skincare oils, the rosehip, the Moroccan oil that's from Morocco. Like, start following the people that look like 
that are from the places that these things come from. Like, and I think that that's cut through the noise, but if you only follow a certain type of influencer and I can't be mad at her, eventually she's going to go towards what she feels like suits her more or what she identifies with. And that's not to say a white influencer won't buy black owned products. They will, but sometimes certain products, if you want to see more black owned products, only a black influencer is going to really showcase because Black right. brands will reach out to her and reach out to her and say, hey, do you want to try this? They're not going to reach out to the blonde girl at first because she might say no, right. thinking that, oh, well, I, I don't know, right? Until maybe she knows someone like me who's like, hey, I use it. She's like, oh my gosh, I love your skin. I'm like, try this brand. And then she might say, oh my goodness, it's great. They're black owned. So I feel like it's kind of creating right. like an overlap. And so part of it, I know you follow black influencers is, you know, following black bloggers, influencers, stylists, yeah, creatives, hairdressers. It's funny that you say that there's this idea that Black-owned products are cheap. I, I don't have that at all. I always think my vision of, of Black-owned businesses is that they're more niche as well, a result of you know mainstream being more white supremacist. And I think a lot about that, you know, this idea that when it comes from Asia, it's cheap. But I never think of Black-owned businesses as being cheap. I think of them as being more niche. Yeah, you know, I agree with you because I'm a black owned business and my products are pretty, I would say they're a good price, but then I've had people who happen to not be black who will say, oh, they're expensive. And so what, 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 I, what I think black owned businesses mean by cheap is that the people think that they should have our, our, our goods should be at a cheaper price because it's black owned. Therefore we have to lower the price. And so, and sometimes people think it's cheap quality, but usually it's like, let's say I'm a black owned business and this girl I know just like started, you know, a, a baby Shia butter company. And I think the jar is 38, 38 or $40, which I think is an excellent price. You will have somebody once they clue in, it's a black woman's business to say, oh, like you, you should lower the prices. And so I think it's a common conversation that black women have is that for some reason, when we have good quality products that you would see at top retailers, they think that it needs to be a little bit cheaper. That's why a lot of black businesses are like, black owned doesn't mean cheap. So stop telling us to lower our prices. And I've experienced this where they're like, oh, can I get 50% off? And I'm like, you wouldn't ask that to a top retailer, but for some reason, because you think I'm black and maybe I'm desperate for the money. Maybe because that- you don't see any top retailers that are anything but white. Like, this is what I'm saying is that like, this is, I feel like it's this thing, this problem is like we just are inundated way too much with what a small percentage of the population is doing because the reality is if you if you put all the alternative people together gay people allies people of color indigenous people black people asian people whatever you put all the like whoever's alternative to white you put them all on one side of the room and white people on the other you will see many many more people on the alternative, oh, yeah. it's, 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 it's a much larger group. Yeah, and it's like and you know you mentioned indigenous people. Yeah, yeah, we're proliferant people with disabilities, like all of it. You and know, think- and we're proliferating the market with this small group's interest. And I think, like, I just feel like the world is starting to go. But I don't care about that. Like, I want to. You know, I don't identify with that. Like, the truth is, like, I mean, I'm the whitest that they come. I'm white, blonde, blue-eyed. Got two white parents and from a purely white family. Um, and I don't identify with that, and neither do my parents. You know, well, like we brilliant. don't identify with that type of white people. So even we are not part of the group that's supposed to be representing us to begin with. 
you know? So I think it's just like this idea, it's old, it's tired, it's done. Like we need to just be done with it. You know, and and I think, and I, yeah, and I agree with you. And just to add to that, I think that even when you speak about indigenous people, it's the fact that like, when you go into these, like, you know, stores where they sell sage and it's like, you're not buying from the indigenous people. And then when these retailers sell these products, you have to ask, like, where did you get your incense from? Like, how much are you paying the people? Like, do you get your uh, incense from indigenous people? Do you know how it's it's, it's harvested, their sage? And I think that stuff, those are really important questions. Because even when I go into those crystal stores and I see the owner is not indigenous, they're not a visible minority and they're selling crystals and things from different countries. And then I think to myself, like, why aren't we buying from First Nations people? Why aren't we supporting their communities so they can build their communities up? Like, why this is something- it so weird to think of like a high-end skin cream that came from an indigenous, like from a reserve? You know, I'm like sure it sounds I'm weird. Sure, I'm sure it's there. It I'm sure it's right. there and then, they make it and it's I undervalued. I feel like it's the marketing more than anything because I don't, I don't really care if a white lady's got a store with crystals in it. I think the problem is that there's only one kind, you know? Like, I think that there's room in the market for everybody to have a crystal store. No, I think it's okay, definitely, if a white lady has crystal stores. I mean, I support white-owned businesses who own crystals all the time. But I, but I will say that, you know, there is a level of not you know, and the ones that I've been in, it's like, are you respecting the cultures in which you are taking this from? Like, are you giving back? Are you, as I said, cheap stuff? Are you getting it really cheap and then selling it for a lot of money? It's like going to Africa and getting a bunch of African masks and then selling them for $400 and you got them for $5. Are you giving back to the community or is it just simply, so when you are supporting black owned businesses, it's also supporting black owned or indigenous or visible minority manufacturers so they can eat too. They're not just barely scraping by while you make millions of dollars off of their culture and their traditions. And that's something I, mean, I think, I think really important. I do think that if we put more people of color into the current white supremacist system, that it will also be more greed based too. That's what I mean by like the whole thing's got to go. We have to do it different from the ground up, you know, and I don't know how it's going to be, but I think a big part of taking it apart is that uh, creating a system of, um, of achievement based solely on the bottom line, how many dollars you make is going to have to be changed too. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how that would come into being. I mean, I, just have, in terms I don't of know how it's going to work either. Yeah, but focusing on Black-owned businesses and I think even like being local retailers and supporting Black-owned manufacturers, like there's so many ways to support Black-owned businesses, whether they have their own store or, you know, you can take their products or candles. There's a lot of candle stores that are White-owned. Well, there are a lot of Black-owned candle manufacturers that you could right. place into your major retailer, that you could place into right. your boutique or your crystal shop, but also giving them treating them fairly and i think that's what it comes right. down to for all black owned businesses right people listening like if you know of uh, a black owned business that you think could be at a major retailer it there's nothing wrong with asking target why they don't carry it and putting oh, it in sure. writing they at all those big stores and like i i routinely ask like hey you know what you should carry here and I don't, I, a lot of times I don't even really think of, of, of the brand so much just that a lot of times it's a micro brand that I think would work well. And I think that they should start carrying it. And yeah. I mean, cause it's me, it's like, you know, usually it's some kind of alternative person, you know, and, it, and it's uh, on the buyers it. too, right? The buyers have to, in their mind say, 
oh, wait a second, like I'm picking all these brands, but I'm not even thinking about diversity. And I think people have to just put in their minds that black people make great things too. And so, cause some people say, oh, because you're black, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean, well, we do buy things, but also it's the idea that like, just because people have this thing, oh, just because you're black doesn't mean you just get things. People shouldn't, you know, they talk about this with award shows or whatever. I'm like, that's just not true. So that's the, also the, the mindset of saying when I'm a buyer and I'm going into buying products, I think of diversity and it's not because I'm doing it because I'm trying to meet the quota. It's because I recognize that all people of different, even whether they're black or they're white, they make great things and I can sell them and black people will buy it as well as white people. So I think seeing well, yeah, stuff and that also way, just, I think we just need to recognize that when we're looking at a room of people, only a small percentage are white. The rest of the room is a lot of other things like white, straight, you know what I mean? Like this paradigm. Like this paradigm is very narrow and it doesn't include a lot of people, not just black people. And it's time to just start thinking of the whole room with every Absolutely. decision. With yeah, every I agree with decision. That. Even you know, when have- and I think that Black Lives Matter is so important because it's it's the part of the room that is being brutalized. And so yeah. it's important. None I, I of us say- are gonna matter if that part of the room doesn't matter. You know? Well, I even yeah, and I would say even with the makeup industry, just to kind of talk about people mattering. And I remember there was a big controversy about like there's developing makeup makeup lines for men. And I thought like, who cares? Why not? And I think we need to get into the mindset where it's like, yes, everyone's included. Why not? Like, why is it a thing? Why are we debating about? why that man is the face of a a makeup brand and why, you know, this woman is, you know, running for office and wearing a suit. Like, why why are these conversations? Like, it shouldn't even matter. You know, and I think- Who knows, Men might have to pose on the internet in their bathing suits with sun hats. Yeah, well, for me, I'm not anti-men either. I just feel like we just need to, because there are great men who champion these causes, who support women and Black Lives Matter and all that stuff. So I think, like I said before, I think you know, it's my favorite, my favorite dating coach is Derek Jackson, who does it from his car after the gym in a do rag. And I think he probably says the best shit for women out there. <laughs> yeah, I, I always think it's about building a bridge. I think no one should feel like an other, whether it's women, whether it's men, whether you're a different religion, right. ethnicity. I think we need to just start making people feel like, because I mean, we're all here for a purpose. I mean, if you believe in God, and I think that we, no human being has the right to dictate that. So I think that if we just all kind of come together as a community, regardless of gender and all that stuff, I think that I think that's where we should head. It. That's the direction we should go in. But I'm just not, I'm not anti anything. I'm not one way or the other. I like I believe in the middle way. I believe in equality. I believe in seeing the full spectrum of things rather than what's right versus what's wrong because that's yeah. why we're where we're at, right? That's why people yeah. were able to have slaves. Well, we have to and, diversify. I mean, it's pretty obvious at this point. Like people yeah. aren't gonna. We're not doing it anymore. Like that's no. where we're at now. We're not doing it anymore. No, we're not. And I, and I, well, we'll see what happens. I hopefully, I think that I'm optimistic. I think it'll be changing slowly. I think it'll be a slow change, but I think it'll be a good change. And I think slow change is the best because it lasts longer. I think things that are done abruptly, like you see right now in media, like they're getting rid of people, firing people, and it's very quick, but, and then you have the employee saying, well, wait a second, your whole staff is not diverse. And so I think we have to, they have to move with it slowly and consciously and say, like, we have to be impactful in our, our changes. Every company. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, white people are going to have to give some things up. And uh, it's something that I've been thinking a lot about in my own life. And I've been talking about with my friends that, like, we're going to have to shut up for a while and we're going to have to give some things up. And, you know, we have to be prepared 
to do that. Like that's just, that, that's the only way forward is like, we have to give up a little bit and make some room too. It can't just be everybody else fighting for space. Like we also have to help create that space. And also, and have, you know, it's such yeah, an exciting time because people are actually invested in doing it because everybody is jobless right now and they're paying attention. They're not distracted by the pursuit of greed. And you know what, as you speak about white women uh, and you talk about this, I, aren't white women also tired of feeling like they have to be everything and all things in a, you know what I mean? Like they have to achieve all these things. Not that black women don't, but I feel like you saying white women and, or white people need to give some things up, but also the idea that they've also been programmed to think that they need to be a certain way. So is it nice to kind of to like relax and oh, lay God, down? And yeah, I don't have so to feel nice. this way. I don't have to believe it's these nice things. I don't have to be it. the perfect white person, right? Like, no, I don't. I can just be. About it. It's nice to be able to talk to brands about it. It's nice to be able to finally say to brands, I'm not going to get involved unless this, this, and this. Whereas before I wasn't allowed to say any of that. Yeah. I've been polishing the spot, you know, the available parking spot for a long time. And now it's really nice to have support from other people to do the same. You know, it's nice yeah. to, one of my friends said to me, isn't it nice to see all these white people coming out? Like we're not on our own anymore. And it, yeah. it is really nice. And it's nice to, you know, feel, being entitled. I mean, I think that, that energy of carrying entitlement around you, like what stress, what drama? And I feel like letting go of that entitlement, this desire to be because someone told you because of your skin, totally. again, it, let that go. Like just imagine, you know, people suffer from a lot of mental health issues, anxiety and depression. And so let's just talk about that across the board, whatever your ethnicity is. It's like letting that go and letting go of that pressure of a, yeah, well, we were a talking about cat and that. Yeah, you know, uh, and that, yeah. like they could have never posted the stuff that they're posting now, like three months ago, about uh, people of color having talks with your kids about race racism. You know, they could have never really posted the way they are now. And I, you know, I know I went to school with Natalie, so it's like I know that 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 Nat that Cat and Nat are people that are totally allies. But now they get to actually vocally, publicly be allies. But isn't that refreshing? You know, That's why I was, I, I think that if anything, like I have white friends who are the quintessential, like, you know, they have the look, the influencer look beautiful. And for them, it's like they, behind the scenes before this, were doing things for black issues, supporting black businesses. So they feel relieved that they can just drop that facade of trying to be this cookie cutter yeah, person. You don't have to privately do it anymore. You can yeah. publicly yeah. It's great. So I, it's so great. I, I love telling people like, do you love black people or not? Like I love I to think, just be able to say it, you know, and be like, look, we're all in it together or we're not, or none of us win. Like you got to come on, you got to get on the right side of this. And it's so like, it's such a relief to be able to just, you know, I don't have to privately do things in protest in my life. Like now I can actually, and I'm getting like a lot better resources and getting educated myself better. And it's like a lot more access is suddenly there. Like I didn't have all this access to all of it before. And now there's just so much more access to the things I want to be talking about. I want to be reading about, like, I don't have to do so much heavy lifting anymore. And it's great. I, and I think a lot of people, I mean, this is one thing I think if people can connect, if they're like, oh, what does Black Lives Matter? It's just like, everybody should have the freedom to be themselves. And I think if you are struggling, and let's say you are not 
black or a person of color, just imagine what it's like not to be yourself, not to be free and all the constraints. You were talking about media, you were talking about all these different subjects where maybe people feel like they are boxed in. So it's just like, you need to take this moment for yourself too, by, by supporting this movement, you're supporting yourself because now you can step outside of your box, the boxes that they put you in. Or if you're, even if you're yeah. carrying a lot of hate in your heart, it's like, why do you want to carry this? Like maybe you're not feeling well because you're carrying all this hate in your being and you yourself don't understand. So it's like free yourself of all these things that have been programmed into your brain, like free yourself so you can actually be happy. So it's not just yeah. about Black Lives Matter in that sense. It's about people, human beings being free emotionally and mentally. And I think if you are resistant to the movement because you think maybe they don't think your life doesn't matter, trust me, the minute Black lives start to matter, all the things that you're worried Everybody. about, maybe you're a blue collar worker, or maybe you have horrible healthcare, you see certain places in the States and they, white people are treated horribly. So if this is you just yeah. think like, if they're treating black people badly, what makes you think they're going to going to look at you and say, let's help you now too. So joining that movement and just being a part of it is also part of you freeing yourself. So you get access yeah. to stuff. And like, trust me, like black people are not going to leave white people behind in hate and fear, even with all the bad things that have happened, they still have love and compassion and they still want to march with you and have community as they did during women's rights and all the other things that have happened in the world. So I just think let go of all that hate and that energy well, so I you mean, can free yourself. All matter. We can't all matter if one portion doesn't matter. Like Absolutely. it's obvious that if black lives don't matter, all lives can't matter. It's just, yeah, it's just and, obvious. We have to be focused on where the the real brutality is happening in the world and we and we have to heal that or we can't ever go forward in any of the other ways i mean i i think that's very very obvious to any ally that like you know freedom for anybody it has a ripple effect for everybody you know it's everyone it's for women if women get their rights think about the men or you know people in the lgbtq community who don't have rights or who have their own things that they would like to fight towards so if you start to push towards indigenous each cause indigenous yeah i mean we well can, we can yeah. go on and on and on i mean i feel like it's a whole other podcast to talk about like police brutality defunding the police like why there's so much pushback for such a for such a for such an easy matter to believe like of course give rights to everyone you know um, but that's got to be for another time. <laughs> yes. Anyway, Hanifa, it was so good having you on. Anybody who's listening, if you are looking for, you know, compelling articles that are alternative within, uh, you know, the entertainment lifestyle and beauty realm, you know, check out the things I wish I knew.com. It's I've written for it before on relationship stuff and I have never, I I've never come away unhappy after reading an article. Um, and yeah, thanks so much for being on Hanifa. Well, thank you. And for I hope me. that uh, I chat with you again soon. We will chat soon. All right. Have a good day. You too. Bye. All right. Bye.